Welcome to Modern Sales, a podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, and salespeople looking to have more and better conversations with your perfect clients. You'll get a healthy scoop of psychology, behavioral economics, and sales studies to help you create win-win relationships. I'm your host, Liston Witherell, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Modern Sales. Hey there, Liston Witherell here with the Liston.io show. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Why do we say tune when it's a podcast? Anyway, not the radio, but a podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And before I get into it with today's guest today, who I think you're really going to like because we're going to talk about podcasting itself. But before we get into that, I do want to make you aware that I am running a sales training so that you never drop another lead. You always know what to do next and you can optimize it and train other people how to be good at sales within your own consulting company. It's exclusively for consultants. You can check it all out at consultingsalesbootcamp.com. Consultingsalesbootcamp.com. Enough about me. Today I have a very special guest and that guest is my friend, Simon Thompson. Simon, tell me how you are. I'm very well, listening. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be on with you. You got to see me go into full broadcaster mode. You were like, is this guy on crack or something? Is he okay? (laughs) I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And so it is, but thank you so much for being here. And Simon, you run a company called contentkite.com and you help people build their content strategy, but in particular, you're very focused on podcasting. So can you tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got into this? I started out my career in media slash advertising slash marketing probably six or seven years ago and started in print media, which is, as you know, a fairly uninteresting form of media, especially the way I was doing it. So I was working for a construction magazine and they were selling like hexagonal screws and like really specific kind of back-end stuff to architects and builders that you would just never, ever see in a building. So not the interesting type of architecture magazines, like the real boring ones. So to cut a very long story short, I had a, a series of jobs that eventually worked me into more of a well, more exciting content role. So I was working on projects for L'Oreal, Nike, Nissan, Adidas, a few others, and that would range from text to audio to video. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I moved from Australia to America, started my own content agency. And for the last two years or so, we've been focusing more or less on text content. And just recently, we've launched this podcasting service where we focus more on on podcast content and audio content. And that's just kind of a sign of the times. That's just how we see the content landscape going. And that's why we've decided to focus in there. Okay. So now this is off script. I'm already going off script and throwing your curveballs. So I have lots of reasons why I like to listen to podcasts, but tell me why you think podcasts in general are such a powerful medium to deliver content. So let me preface this by saying that I'm not going to sit here and say that podcasts are the end all be all of content and you should only focus on podcasts. I'm not saying that there is a place for text content or blog content and there is a place for video content. What I really love about podcast content is just how engaging it is. And I don't want to sound overly fluffy when I say engaging. So what I mean by that is when people listen to podcasts, they generally listen quite intently and they listen to the whole thing. So the stat is that 85% 
of podcast listeners will listen to all or most of an episode. Whereas as you know, as everyone I'm sure knows, when you're reading a blog post or you're watching a video and you're on your computer screen, you've got emails, Slack, notifications going off left, right and center. There are just distractions everywhere. Whereas when you're listening to a podcast, you usually sort of maybe at the gym on a commute out for a walk. It's usually all you're doing or all you have to concentrate on anyway. So that's why I really like it. I was going to say exactly that the last thing you said, I think you're totally right. Not having a screen is a big advantage in terms of me, the owner of the podcast, delivering it to you, dear listener, listening to this right now. (laughs) But you're probably doing laundry or going for a walk right now, or like Simon said, on the bus or on your bike or in your car on your morning commute. It's a medium that allows you to fit it into all of the normal things that you do in your life without disrupting those, but really enriching those. And so Simon, one thing I neglected to mention is that you specialize in podcasts for agencies and B2B service providers. Of course, that's why I asked you to be here because that's exactly who I'm speaking to. And you help them generate leads, raving fans, and strategic partnerships. So I have some questions about how you do some of that stuff, but I'm wondering like service providers, B2B service providers, agencies, consulting companies, that's a big group of people. Who within that group is this Perfect foreign who should just run away from podcasts altogether. Basically, any business that creating content is good for, which I would argue is every business, then podcasting should work for. And the reason that we personally specialize in working with B2B service providers, consultants, agency owners is because outside of that benefit of creating content and having a really engaged audience and all of that good stuff, there's actually this second hidden benefit, which is, well, particularly applies to people where relationships are incredibly important. And that benefit is, well, just that, the ability to build relationships. So if you have a weekly show, think of it this way, every guest that you bring onto your show as the host is going to know, like, and trust you. They're also going to view you as somewhat of an authority, just being a host of a podcast. That's just kind of a psychological thing that our our brains do. So if you're in an industry such as B2B, where relationships are really the name of the game, then think of what you could do with 52 very strategically built relationships throughout a year. It's really quite powerful. So if you actually start to think about that and get deliberate about it, it could be potential clients. It could be influencers who could push your message to their audience. It could be referral partners, basically anyone who can benefit you in some way. And you also get some great content for your audience and you give them exposure. It's kind of a win-win-win. Everybody wins. So that's why I really like it for that audience in particular. Yeah. And you know, of course I deliver sales training and sales coaching. And one thing I get asked a lot is how do I follow up with people? How do I do this in a way that doesn't feel like I'm desperate and I'm just nagging? And to that, I always ask, well, are you desperate and are you nagging? So one way to get away from that trap, obviously, is to create valuable stuff that we can give people. And one of those things is a podcast just like this one or whatever you, once again, dear listener, I'll break the third wall again, whatever you have in your head that you can get out and is valuable for your target audience to know 
that podcast then becomes something that you can email, that you can directly share with them, that you can send to your whole entire audience and newsletter. You can post it on LinkedIn. There are so many wonderful uses of it. And so I think it stretches far beyond just the contained medium that it's in. And it starts to bleed into other ways where we can follow up and nurture other relationships beyond the one we just made. But let's come back to that point. I believe what you're saying is I do a podcast, I have a guest, and that guest could be a relationship that is in some way meaningful to me. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And I'd probably preface this by saying, don't go into it with the mindset of, I just want to have this person on my podcast so that I can leverage them later. And you've just got this ulterior motive. The way that I would like to think about it is it would be cool if this person could help me out in some way or another, but along the way, they're going to provide a ton of value to my audience and I'm going to provide them something. Because by the way, you are providing them something by having them on your podcast. You're giving them exposure. You're giving them perception as an expert. People pay PR agencies pretty good money for this stuff and you're giving it to them for free. So everyone's kind of winning. So I wouldn't think of it necessarily in like evilly stroking your cat and going like, yes, I'll have this person on my podcast so I can sell them something later. That's how I think of everything, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I see the world. Yeah. But there are a number of ways that you can sort of start to think about it a bit more deliberately and just get strategic about the people that you're having on your show that's going to be cause the best result for everyone. I would bet that some people listening to this right now are thinking, what do I talk about? What about the technology? How do I structure it? How do I make it seem natural? And I have a lot to say about all of those things, but I think if we can just focus on the business side of it, so if I have someone on, and I agree with you, I mean, there's lots of different ways that we can engage. So like, for instance, the first time that you and I met, Simon, someone told me that I should talk to you because you were marketing to a similar audience. I had no ulterior motive other than I was just curious to like, trade notes with other people doing similar things. And we became like immediate friends. I was like, I have to talk to this guy more. Yeah. It was one of those things where I just knew that there was a probability that we had stuff in common. I didn't know what would come out of it, but I think that's an important mindset to have. Now, I'm wondering afterwards, I already know what I'm going to do after we hang up, but let's say I have a new guest on who I've never met before. Kind of what is your approach or what would you tell a client of yours to do next so that they can maybe nurture this relationship or maybe even see if there's a sales opportunity there? I think the really key thing is to not be too, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but let's go with that. You don't want to be too aggressive about it. What I mean by that is you don't want to create the impression that all you ever had was this ulterior motive where you want to sell them something or you want to get something out of them. So for mine, and people may disagree with me about this, but if you're a B2B service provider, there's what you do and the value you can provide. And then there's the trust factor and the relationship factor. And I would say that the trust slash relationship factor is actually more important than the value you provide. Because let's face it, whatever it is that you do, someone else is probably doing it as well. No way. Yeah. yeah. You're like not the many, best at many. making podcasts in the entire world. There are other options. I know it's crazy, right? But what's going to make someone choose me over someone else is they like me, hopefully, and they think I'll do a good job and they trust me and they've seen what I'm putting out there. So 
the key for mine is to just lead with that trust slash relationship, but you also need to have a mechanism in place for them to know what you do so that if they know someone who could benefit from your service or if they need your service themselves, then you're going to be the first person they turn to. So a few ways we can do that tactically. For mine, just in my email signature, it just says last thing under my address and phone number, thinking of starting a podcast, let's talk. And that's it. What I found is though that conversation just kind of naturally comes up. So Literally the other day, I was speaking to a guy that I interviewed on my podcast. The episode hasn't gone live. It'll go live in about two weeks. But I asked him what he's working on at the moment. He's doing a lot of stuff around landing pages, X, Y, Z. And then, of course, the polite thing to do is to say, what are you working on at the moment? And I said, we're working on this podcasting service. We're helping agencies, consultants, B2B service providers start a podcast. And he goes, ah, I was speaking to someone two weeks ago and they need exactly that. I'm going to put you in touch. And now we're in touch and we're talking and that could well turn into a deal. I had no intention of that happening, but that conversation is going to come up if you have that relationship there and you've been speaking to them. Yeah, totally. And this is maybe slightly off topic, but I want to do some math really quickly and hopefully no one's running away scared right now. But based on what you just said, so you talked to someone, you got a referral and Obviously, referrals are the best kind of leads. I think we can all agree on that. And so what I would challenge everybody to do is start thinking about how many leads do you want in a year? And if you create a great referral source, how often do you think you'll get leads from them? So let's do that math, right? If I wanted, let's say, a lead every day, and I think I'll get one lead a quarter from my best lead sources, that means I need drum roll, right? 365 divided by four, 90 people to go out and do the work for me to help me get the referrals that I need. And so when I think about podcasting and obviously a lead every day is tremendous. Like most businesses don't need anywhere close to that, especially if you're dealing with high ticket, high five figures, mid six figures, even seven figures, you're only looking at a a fairly low lead flow that's required to sustain a business like that, assuming that they're qualified leads. And that's a thing, like, especially given how qualified they will be since their referrals and they'll, they'll close at a significantly higher rate because, I mean, there are leads and there are leads and some leads will close at literally 1%. Like if you're cold calling, you'll have a hundred leads, but it's a hundred people that don't want to hear from you. Whereas a referral, they're going to yes. close at a high, high rate. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But. No, 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 that's good. And I would just add to that. So, you know, if you're only looking for 50 leads, you only need 15 or 20 referral sources. And what's going on there just in sort of a psychological perspective is if I refer you, Simon, to anybody what I'm doing is I'm leveraging the social capital trust and credibility that I've built with that person and I'm transferring it to you. And so when I've referred you to someone else, that person goes, well, I trust Liston. Therefore, transitive principle, I must be able to trust Simon because Liston doesn't want to risk his reputation referring bad people, which by the way is true. I won't refer people who I don't really believe in. So sorry if I've refused to <laughs> refer someone listening to this, but uh, that's why no one's getting referred by Liston. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. That's I have already yeah. referred people to <laughs> no, That's why I joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I think this idea of social capital and transferring it 
is a really big part of our guests don't just have to be sales opportunities. They can also be referral sources. So you talked about the email signature. You talked about kind of nurturing, but sort of in practice, do you have any program that you recommend people follow or some sort of series of steps and how long that takes? Because I know people want all that actionable, juicy stuff. And I'm wondering if you have, I hate the term best practice, but something in mind that you would tell someone. Yeah, I do. I'm going to give that answer that is going to instantly make everyone hate me. It depends. Oh, it depends. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm going to be that guy. And look, for mine, I am, I wouldn't say I'm a very introverted person, but I probably am leaning towards introversion. And so I'm, I'm not an overly aggressive person. I'm not like hardcore sales guy. So I will lean towards the email signature perhaps a week later if the conversation felt right. I might follow up with a, hey, by the way, we offer X, Y, and Z. I'm not sure if that would be beneficial to you or someone you know, but let me know if you want to talk. So very passive, very hands-off. That said, if you're incredibly extroverted, lean towards sort of a domineering type, then you might want to be a bit more direct and just go in a week later. So it depends on you as a person, but I would just say, do what you're comfortable with. However, do something like create a way for the person to know what you do and let them come to you is what I would say. One thing I would add to that though, is my big thing is stop selling, start serving. And so what I would say Mm -hmm. is it does partially depend on you, but it also depends on the person you're talking to, right? So if you're getting this sense that they're very comfortable with you, this is going well, you may be a little bit more forward with them versus someone who has their guard up or it's sort of like all business. They seem closed off to you. You're obviously going to take a lot longer with them and just sort of Let them know it's safe. Read the room is all I would say. If it doesn't feel right, don't let someone say, you've got to turn every conversation into a sales conversation no matter what. That's not the advice I would give. You'll know if the conversation is going to be incredibly unnatural to go there and you'll know if it is. I'm wondering, do you have a podcast? I do. Yeah. So I've recently relaunched it. Okay. We launched it about a year ago and did not implement the systems and processes required to not make it an entire headache. We did about 15 episodes and that's where we kind of realized this happy accident, I'll call it, of the relationships we were building. I mean, we put it out as a content medium. The idea was this will be our content and we'll attract an audience and that's how it will benefit our business. And then that's when we're kind of noticing that all these relationships we were building with guests, we're getting referrals, et cetera, et cetera. So which is what led us to create this new service. So we realized there were a ton of headaches in it. And so we're creating our service to take all the headaches out of it. And so now with the relaunch, we've implemented these systems and processes that we recommend implementing. And we're just being much more, I guess, process oriented about it. Because as I'm sure you know, listen, like podcasting, if you don't, outsource what you can, automate what you can. It's a fair bit of work actually. So yes, to answer your question, we have a podcast, but we're being, let's say we're taking our learnings and implementing them this time. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. It is a lot of work and I have a lot of maybe not broadcasting, but production experience. So I came with maybe an edge where I didn't have to learn all of this stuff from scratch, but it's a lot. I mean, I agree with you. So 
I'm wondering if someone wanted to start down the road of podcasting, kind of what's the first thing that you recommend they do to figure out if it's right for them or how they would maybe get started? The first thing I would say, I want to be careful about how I say this, because I don't want to say be totally comfortable with doing it because to be perfectly honest, like I'm not a hundred percent comfortable on every single call that I get onto. So I do think there's a place for actually getting out of your comfort zone. That said, if you are just really not the type of person that can get on a microphone and talk intelligently about what you do, then maybe it's not the right thing to do. But assuming that you do, from a content perspective, from a what do I talk about perspective, the fallback that I always go to is teach someone how to do what you do and then you can kind of build from there and go off on spoke. So if you're an agency owner, you do SEO and you implement SEO strategies for clients, just teach them straight up like, by the way, Google is moving to a mobile first index or whatever it may be. You might give them the news about Google's algorithm changes or you might give them specific tactics. And the point is, I always say like, give them enough information so that they could take it and implement it themselves if they wanted to. And people might say, well, then I'm losing customers. And it's like, you're not losing the customers that can afford you essentially, because the people that can afford you are just going to be like, this guy obviously knows his stuff. I would much rather pay him to implement. And so I'm not going to mess anything up and it will also save me a lot of time. So from a content perspective, that's where I'd start. And then obviously there's all the technical things you need to get in place. You need to have a good microphone. You need to have a hosting platform. You need to set up the feeds to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. All of that we can go into. But from a content perspective, just all you need is to talk intelligently about what you know and what services you provide. And do you recommend, so in that case, essentially someone is doing like an audio blog post. They're going on and they're talking about something that they know and that could be helpful. Maybe some how-to content or an industry trend or an update. Earlier, we were talking about having guests on. Do you recommend one versus the other? That's a good question. I should have clarified that. So it really is up to you. I obviously recommend the guest approach for reasons I talked about before. It's a great way to build relationships. Yeah. That said, I feel like I've talked a lot about the relationships benefit side of it and not about the content medium itself. So your podcast is going to be extremely valuable as a content medium itself. And whatever is going to make that content more valuable is kind of the format that you should be thinking about. So interviews are really great, not only because of the relationships, but because you get a diverse range of opinions and expertise. So interviews are really good. That said, if you want to do a monologue where you talk of just one person talking into a microphone, talking about an industry trend, that's cool too. If you're giving enough value and you don't drone on in your voice and you don't sound particularly boring, that's a great format too. Uh, another one is to the two hosts talking. That's probably one of my favorites as a listener, the, the two hosts talking, if you like the two hosts, that, that is. Yeah, minor details, right? Yeah, 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 that's it. Because you get to know them, maybe they have some back and forth banter that's funny, whatever it may be, but there are plenty of valid formats. It's kind of whatever's going to help you get your message across. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say is when you were talking about go out and talk about SEO or marketing or your IT service or whatever it is that you do. The one thing about that is that may be intimidating to some people, but if you're in a position where you're doing interviews, 
it's less about you and more about your guest. Really, all you want to do is make your guest seem like a superhero. And so hopefully that the format can take the pressure off of you depending on how you want to do it. Another thing I would mention is I have another podcast called Offline with my dear friend, Philip Morgan, and it's just the two of us. One thing I would say that's a problem with that format is there's no natural built-in promotion. And because when you have guests, they have a strong incentive. Most people don't, they're not out creating a ton of media. They have a really strong incentive to share that with the people that they know. And so they're going to help you spread the word and help you grow your audience quickly. However, on the just you talking into the microphone or you talking to a guest format, there's less built-in promotional, which is why I, here on the List and I.O. show, do both. There are some episodes where I'm just talking. There are some episodes where I'm talking to people like you. And so I think that's another thing you can think about when you're thinking about your podcast. Yeah, definitely. I'd 100% agree with that because, and this applies to all forms of content, people are going to share things that make them look good. And if you ask someone to be a guest on your podcast, you're elevating them to like, you're putting them up on a pedestal, you're picking them up in the intro. They're very much where the focus is. Unless they say something really terrible, like they're going to look good in that podcast. And so, yeah, like you said, they're very incentivized to share it. There's also the element of reciprocity because you've given them that platform. They feel inclined to do well by you. And again, that's not like in an evil stroke your cat kind of way, but I mean, that's just the way it is. Like everyone kind of wins. So I'm a fan, as you can tell. Awesome. All right. So Simon, you in true form, in the way that you recommended, you've been very forthright and open about all of the stuff that you do. If anybody wanted to follow up with you about podcasts or just because you seem like a swell guy, what should they do? If people go to contentkite.com forward slash workshop, I am hosting, when I say I'm hosting, look, I'll just come out and say it. It's automated. It's a replay of a video of a how to use podcasts as a B2B sales and marketing channel. It's completely free. You'll need to opt in for it, but it's about 30 minutes of me just going through exactly how you can go about starting your own podcast and specifically how to leverage it as a marketing channel. Because it's one thing to start the podcast. It's the other thing to get strategic about it and actually use it to benefit your business. Okay, perfect. And that URL one more time? Contentkite.com forward slash workshop. All right. Well, Simon Thompson, thank you so much for being here. As usual, a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me, Liston.